Hey everybody, John DeChristopher here and welcome to another episode of Track Talk. Today's episode is an excerpt from Live from My Drum Room with Omar Hakim from March 10th, 2023. And in this little excerpt, Omar and I talk about how he came to work on David Bowie's Let's Dance record, the huge record from 1983, I believe. Uh, during that time, he was the drummer in the band Weather Report. And he got the call from his friend and producer, Nile Rogers, to come in. Tony Thompson, who had been playing drums with David Bowie at that time, was not available. So Omar came in and uh, his first recording with David Bowie was the song Let's Dance. So we talk about that. We talk about the song Modern Love, another great David Bowie song Omar played on. And we kind of work our way over to Dire Straits and my personal favorite Dire Straits song, So Far Away. So check it out. I hope you enjoy it. I will put the link for the complete episode in there. It was a great episode. We talked for over an hour and a half about Omar's incredible career, and we really just barely scratched the surface. So you can look for a future episode with Omar, a track talk episode too. But in the meantime, check this out. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the other side. That day I was like, okay, Nyla's gone. So fast forward a little bit. He, she, the chic thing kind of winds down. He's become like the producer. Yeah. And I'm on tour with Weather Report. I'm on tour. He he calls me and says, "Hey man, I've got I've got to do a session with 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 Bowie and uh, Tony and Bernard aren't available for whatever, for whatever reason. Are you going to be around next week?" And I'm like, "Actually, I'm on my way home. Um, we we have a gig at the Beacon Theater, and then after that, I'll be home for like two weeks. So perfect timing." And so we go in the studio and at the power station, and the first song we cut was "Let's Dance." That was the first, that's how we started the session. No kidding. Yeah. You got to, had you not heard the song until you got there? You just, they had I heard, a, I didn't hear anything until I got some there. scratch demo kind of thing. And yeah, maybe there were, there might've been a demo, but the demos were more like guitar vocal demos. They weren't really like, no. you know, wasn't like today where, you know, there's a drum loop and a, you know what I mean? There's a song. Yeah. Nile had an idea for a rhythm concept. He started playing his guitar part. Me and the bass player Carmine Rojas started jamming with him. And then and then this thing starts morphing into the the pattern. It's you know? Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Man. And and were you basically did you did you know you'd be doing the whole record at that point? I I didn't. It's such I, I'm just yeah. I need technology. It's what a kick ass track, man. When you cut that, when you cut that track, Omar, was David Bowie in the studio? Was he was he there to, like, when the rhythm tracks were cut? Yeah, David was really fun because 
you know, David wasn't one of these singers that um, wanted to wait for the rhythm track to be done and then he come in and do his vocals. David was like, set me up a mic right now. I'm going to sing with the guys. And that was key because I think what it what it does is it gives the musicians in the studio an opportunity to hear the artist's intent for the song very clearly. Yeah. And and the funny thing about this pattern uh, that Carmine and I came up with, it's not the typical two bar pop record pattern. It's not even the typical four bar pattern. It is probably one of the first eight bar patterns on a pop record it's actually a eight bar phrase yeah yeah um and so it, it, it took us a moment once once we figured out the kind of puzzle of it um that that we were able to get it rolling and then and then the the, the challenge after that after you get this eight bar puzzle figured out is to play it continuously yeah and it, it resolves itself basically. It right? resolves itself after eight bars, yeah. but you got to keep it, you know, because again, the, the 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 you know the the discipline of grooving is to not is to play the cymbals in the right place, play the drum fills in the right place. Oh, you don't want to interrupt the motion of the thing, and if you do, any drum fill needs to move it along. It either yeah. needs to move it along or it needs to turn the page to the next verse or whatever. Yeah. Is how I always yeah. looked at it. Perfectly explained. And and that explains so much about that song because what might appear to people to be a you know, a kind of simple groove, it's another one of those classic deceptively not so I mean, the stick yeah. in what you're playing, obviously, but the way you place all the beats, it's genius. It's genius. Yeah. Absolutely the way that all moves. Um, it, it was it was a it was a fun hang and and Dave and Niall they gave us the time we took the time to really um, create these special uh, elements. Um, I didn't know I you know Niall hired me for like two or three days in a row. While I was there, I cut uh, Let's Dance, Modern Love, China Girl, Ricochet, maybe one or two others. And then I was out of there. And then Tony came in and, and played on, on some tracks too. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a great, great experience. Dave David asked me to go on the road with him, but I had already been committed to Weather Report. And I didn't want to I I mean, you know, the David Bowie thing was of course paying a lot more than the Weather <laughs> Report thing at the time because he was he was, he was a huge oh. rock star, a huge pop star. Yeah, but sure, but sure. my heart was still a weather report. Uh, for the music and for the legacy and for the, um, you know, and for what I understood was going to be invest an investment in time, you know, uh, yeah. create from a creative place, you know, it's just that, you know, the way, the way weather report was featuring my drumming wasn't going to be the same as on the David Bowie show, you know, the David Bowie show, which was a fabulous show. I went to see the serious moonlight tour. It was, it was incredible, but, but, you know, when you have an opportunity to play with Joe and Wayne and, you know, and, yeah. you know, and these guys, I was, you know, I think I'm going to do this a little longer. And, and ultimately I'm, I'm glad about that decision. And it's when, when I said no to the tour, I never thought I'd hear from David again after that, but actually when he got off the road 
he called me up and said, I'm doing another record. I need you to come back to the studio with me. I was surprised to get the call because I thought it was over. But we ended, we went back in the studio. This time, not at Power Station. We worked at um, uh, uh, Les Studio in Montreal, which was the studio of the band Rush. Yes, yeah. And, and we cut uh, the Tonight album, which had the hit Blue Jean. Yes. Uh, there was another track on there called Neighborhood Threat that was kind of fun. And Blue Jean was a minor hit. It wasn't as big as the Let's Dance album, but... It was it was nice to have that that opportunity to get back in the studio with David and, yeah. and have fun with Carlos Alomar and and, and, and the crew. You know? Do you find now, if looking back at that time in your life, um, the fact that you were surprised? I'll bet now, if you think about it, you realize you did the right thing. You know what I mean? You, I have to think maybe David respected that you'd made a commitment to to Joe and Wayne, and you couldn't really. I mean, you. They probably would have understood if you said, man, I got this opportunity to go out on the road with David Bowie, but, but you didn't. And I have to think your, you know, your, your playing obviously speaks for itself that David didn't take it personally at all the way you might have thought he would. And he just went, Oh, well, timing didn't work out. Well, yeah. I mean, you know? that's exactly what I thought because, you know, any, anybody else would have looked at me and said, David Bowie just offered you <laughs> five times the amount of money, weather report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, but, but I think I understood something I said, because there are some things that money can't buy, right? There's some yeah. things, that, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think the experience of being with those guys and, and what I learned from them musically and how it expanded my drumming and, um, it's and how it expanded my composition awareness, yeah. you know, because I remember bringing music to, those cats and and it was interesting to have joe and wayne rip apart your composition <laughs> and explore the harmony and like and it, it, it to this day it, like if i write a melody and i'm working on something like an instrumental piece even to this day i i start off with like the first set of harmony but then a couple of days later i'll go back i'll leave that melody in place but then i'll start to play around with other harmonic ideas behind that melody and I think I learned that that from Joe and Wayne because those two guys are like the masters. They were yeah. the masters, you know. Um, so, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you know. So yeah. I mean, that was. I I think I just understood the importance of of art first. I guess on a certain level, and yeah. and the experience, and um, and again, that's that's a great example, Omar, of your maturity for being still a young guy, but like having that instinct to go, eh, you know what, this, this is, this is going to be great for me. This is great for my forming my, my musical personality, you know, playing with these guys. And absolutely. And, and what do you know? It's, it turns out you ended up playing on a billion more pop records in your future, which you know, right, it's true. I mean, it was yeah. weird. And then the next year I ended up with sting. And so, yeah. you know, the so-called payday happened sort yeah. of late later on, but it still happened, right? Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and that 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 vibe, that that thing that got created with Sting was also really beautiful and really fun. And you know, um, you know, we 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 made some good money that year, those two years. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it's a special time when you 
you get in a project like that that's successful you know was, and, it, groundbreaking is what I, how i would describe it it really was it was like yeah. sting's first band outside of the police an incredible yeah. record yeah i mean it, it was beautiful really... beautiful experience man and playing with my buddies you know uh, that first band of bramford marcellus and kenny kirkland on keyboards daryl jones on bass Man. Yeah, Sting didn't even play bass on that tour. That's Daryl Jones of the Rolling Stones on bass. What a what a right? band! Yeah, and Sting on guitar. He's a great guitar player. Right. Yeah. Right. So we I... and with, and Dolette McDonald um, and Javis uh, uh, Janice Pendarvis, the background singers. It was That's a lovely right. band, man. It's just yeah. a beautiful experience. I was just going to jump back for one second and play another David Bowie song from Let's Dance that you mentioned, and this is to me. <laughs> Such a killing drum track. I just, I just gotta play it. It's got to feel good to to know that you've made this kind of a mark in music. You know, I mean, you've played on some, I mean, these are the tip of the iceberg, obviously, and songs you've played. It's but. funny to hear that again, because it, what, I'm, what I'm reminded of is that it, that groove sounds like we're leaning forward the whole record, like the whole record is like this. Yeah, Le- yeah. Leaning on the, on the, and it's funny because in order to create that hype, 
And it's and here's the other thing about a record like that, which is like when you think about the other work that I was doing, like with Weather Report, and it's, it's so different. The playing on that record, that's like most people that had heard me with Weather Report would have never imagined that that's the same guy. Yeah. But because I grew up playing rock and roll as a kid, you know, I was playing as much rock and roll as a kid as I was playing funk and jazz. So that the language of rock, the sound of rock was in my ears as well. So that's why I was always really comfortable to kind of go wherever musically and, and, and the, and the, uh, the decision to not market myself as one type of drummer was a conscious one because I, I never wanted people to say he's a jazz drummer or he's a rock drummer or he's a, funk drummer or yeah yeah what i wanted more people to say was he's a worthy collaborator i i wanted to um make myself a, a worthy musical collaborator so that if they called i would have an opportunity to make a contribution to the music now whether it's jazz or rock or reggae or funk or whatever i don't care we'll figure that out but what's interesting about the rock thing is that, you know, I, I always had to go into the studio and I had to almost reconfigure my drum set to get that sound because, you know, the drum tuning, the cymbals and everything that I would use with Weather Report would be very different from what I need to bring to the studio with me to make a David Bowie record. You know, everything, the way the drums are tuned and and the type of drum heads and the fact that I have to play harder and dig in and get that get that sound whereas yeah. weather report the dynamic range would start here and go there you know mm-hmm. what i mean but yeah but this, but the david bowie thing needed to be like a freight train freight train wide open going down the tracks you know what i mean and so it's fun to hear that song because I, i'm i'm reminded and again if you notice this there are a few drum fills here and there but it's the urgency of that groove exactly. and and the fact that it's i'm not I'm kind of playing the same thing all the way through it. You know, symbols in 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 that case are like an exclamation point to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I drop a symbol and it's the exclamation point. Bang! Whoa! You yeah. know what I mean? It yeah. moves yeah. it. It creates an exciting burst of something that, you know, that kind of jolts the listener and kind of keeps this thing moving forward. And so, you know, there's a I think maybe I'm always looking for like the drama. In the simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. me, that's what when I'm doing records like that, it's like, where is it? Okay. Everybody, oh, it's such a simple, it's just a rock beat. No, it's not a rock beat. Because if you it's not just that, because if you find that thing that moves it along, that makes it exciting, that that gives it energy. And I always say that grooves, people always talk about well, what is a groove? What is a groove? What does that mean? What I think it is, is the power of repetition. Right? I think that, yeah. I think that in in the practice of meditation, you have something called a mantra. And in Buddhism or whatever, you know, you pick pick the pick the discipline, pick the, the spiritual practice, is a mantra, you repeat it, it gets energy. And if you notice, these mantras are the same thing over and over again. But as they get repeated, they get energy and they get bigger and bigger and stronger. And so to me, grooves are like that. 
Mm-hmm. It's like if you take a snowball, you're at the top of a mountain, you take a snowball and you roll it down the mountain. Well, while it's going down the mountain, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's picking up more snow, right? And by the time it gets to the bottom, it's a, a giant <laughs> boulder of snow, right? Yeah. But it started off as a little snowball, right? right? right. Yeah. So yeah. to me, a groove, the power of the groove is in the repetition. It's in the yeah. discipline. You know, exactly. so don't don't play a fill. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you play something, it has to have a purpose. If it doesn't have any purpose, just don't throw it in there. Make sure did you did you did you did you uh move the verse along? Did you compliment the singer? Did you respond to something the bass player did? This is this thing, whatever you're adding to it, is it in the motion and the emotion? of the groove of the song and of the intention. Yeah. And that song, I would say, you know, have, I played that, you know, in my, in my younger days. And the, mm. the challenge was always to have that energy that you have with it and to have that, that drive, but not rush the tempo. You know I mean? Anybody, anybody can, especially me can speed up, <laughs> you know, that's easy. It's, it's the way you play it, keeping the time, the groove solid, but having that, that that sense of urgency throughout it is like it, it, again, it's masterful. It really is. No, that's why I said. Even hearing it now, it's I could. It felt like everybody was leaning forward. You were playing that, faster, but yeah. everybody was like that. You know that urgency. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's so right. it's really it, it's a fun thing to hear all many years later. And uh, and the fills that you play, as you said, they're they're they set up the chorus. Like you as you as you finish the verse. You play these great syncopated fills that just, just perfectly complement where David comes back to the chorus, you know, and and it's it's never you know never in the way of the vocal of of like, oh yeah, know, the yeah at the end of the, of the day, yeah. it's about the story and it's about the singer. Yeah, you know, I mean, as musicians, as session players, you know, I mean, some so many cats are like, where's, where's the chart? Where's this? Can I see the? The music. Sometimes I go and I be. I want to see the lyric sheet, man. What are we talking about here? You know what? What is? What's the intention? You know? Yeah. There's and maybe so that's because I'm a songwriter too. But I think about music like that. You know? Yeah. I was going to say there's so many examples. I just want to play one more quick. I had a, a few here, but I know where I'm keeping you a long time. But this this came out not long afterward. Um, one of my favorite songs I've told you through over the years that we've known each other. I I come back to the song because your playing is so I'll use the word understated, but yet it's so tasteful and perfect. And it's a great example of, of like, you'd almost think it's a different drummer because you're so relaxed, you know, just like on beat or even maybe a little behind it. Accents on the high had a beautiful. And where are you when the sun goes down? You're so far away from me. You're so far away from me. So far I just can't see. You're so far away from me. You're so far. 
pedal of the arrow hard as ever. As you get to the fading. I know on that record, Brothers in Arms, you you are called in um, to replace Terry Williams' tracks, right? Basically, you were. Yeah, yeah, I was. To do that. That's right. And yeah. and were you were you given pretty much like? Did you listen to what he played, and did they ask you to play something similar, or did you did they give you kind of free reign to go? You know. No, I, I did get some. I did get some free reign. That was an interesting session because the engineer. Uh, was a friend of mine from the Power Station Studios, a guy named Neil Dorfsman. Mm. And Neil and I had been doing quite a few sessions together at Power Station. In fact, I pulled Neil in on the recording of Weather Report's Procession album. Did a great job on that record, but you know, made a lot of records with Neil. So Neil, they were in Montserrat at Air Studios. Um, right. Something happened. The drummer had to get sent back to to London, and and Neil calls and says, uh, like at two and I get a call at like two in the morning. Can you, in New York? Can you come to Montserrat tomorrow? <laughs> and I had heard about Montserrat only because I knew that's where uh, the police did all of their records. Yeah, I was familiar with the with the Island Studio that the Beatles producer George Martin owned. It was like, wow, this sounds like an incredible place. And I also knew that uh, Luther Vandross recorded a record there, that uh, really beautiful record, one of one of my favorites of his. So I was like, you know, have an opportunity to work there uh, was going to be fun. So um, when I got there, uh, it was just me and Neil, the bass player, and Mark Knopfler. And um, yeah, basically, a lot of the tracking was just guitar and drums. Mm-hmm. you know uh because his feel he has a very uh specific feel yeah on guitar That's rhythm true. guitar it's a very so it's funny on this on that song it's it's once again i'm trying to not be in his way but i'm trying to move things along yeah without you know because i'm because really rhythmically he's leading the feel of of the record it's you know like even money for nothing is a very specific guitar mm-hmm. riff you know what i mean and yeah, uh, absolutely yeah and, and and you don't need the drummer to clutter up what mark Knopfler does naturally you know i need i need to dance in and out of that yeah even yeah. it's funny even the first verse uh going into that first verse i noticed instead of playing a fill it was just a hi-hat going psh, psh. yeah and, and then it goes into because I was like, all right, well, you know, I got to stay out of the way. <laughs> you know, here comes the verse. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and it's funny, little things it's like perfect. that. And I like the 
the, you know, you're staying out the way, but then there's the humor of it a little bit. There's a lot of little things that I'm looking for that, you know, that like I always say, I'm, I keep saying this, move the record along. It moves the mm-hmm. record along in a way that's that's tasty. It's not it's not, um, you know, pulling us out of the, the groove or out of this flow that's happening. You know what I mean? So Mark was really special because his his style of playing rhythm guitar is is uniquely his. Nobody plays like that. Yeah. You know, so it's really about going in and framing his thing, you know? All right. Well, that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, give it a like. Leave me a comment. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done that already. Ring the bell. And uh, I do appreciate your support. I will be back with some new episodes, as I said, and uh, another big announcement coming soon. But in the meantime, take a look at the old shows, you know, dig into the archive. I hope you'll keep listening and watching. And uh, until next time, remember, no drummers are ever harmed on Live From My Drum Room. And when in doubt, leave it out. Okay, I'll see you soon.